Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to feed, and fears my grace redeemed. How precious did that grace appear! They how I first believed. Amazing. Thank you, choir. That was awesome. You're all probably wondering why I'm wearing this jersey. Now, if you're visiting with us today, then, and you don't know me, you're thinking this guy is whack. He's wearing a Patriots jersey on Easter Sunday. Doesn't he know it's Easter Sunday? Yes, I do. 
Um, you might start making some assumptions about me. And you think, well, wait a minute, it's basketball season. And it's about to be baseball season. So why is he wearing a football jersey? Well, he must be a football guy. You would be right. Because while I do like other sports, I am a football guy. And so I think football 12 months out of the year. Uh, You also, if you don't know me and you just saw me walking down the street with this on, you would think, well, he must be a Patriots fan. If you thought that, you would be wrong. See, I know that, you know, Christians aren't supposed to hate. So I'll just say I passionately dislike the Patriots. Um, So why am I wearing this? Well, the elders had a fantasy football league this year. And the winner got to choose... Uh, a jersey of the team of his choice, and the rest of us in the league would pay for it. And the loser would have to wear that jersey on Sunday serving communion. Now, all I'm going to say is I I didn't win. So so that's why I'm wearing it. Well, kind of. Here's the point. Often what we wear on the outside is not consistent with the reality of what's inside. Often what, what people see on the outside doesn't jibe with what's on the inside because the reality is, I'm a Cowboys fan. Um, go Romo, right? So now I don't want to keep you thinking football. (laughs) See, the point I'm trying to make, if we can bring it back, is that often what we see on the outside doesn't accurately reflect or respond to what's on the inside. If, if I can put it another way, there is, there's an invisible reality that doesn't match the visible response. Today we celebrate the reality that Jesus Christ was crucified for our sin, was buried, and on the third day was raised to life So as Paul says in Romans chapter 4, we might be justified. That we might be able to step into relationship with God. That we might be able to experience the abundant life that God created us for. Um, The reality is, He is risen. He is risen indeed. That's the reality. And because he is risen, we can live in the power of that resurrected life. We can live in that reality. But what does that look like? Well, we've been in this series called All Roads Lead to Romans, where we've been walking through the book of Romans since uh, early part of January. And we've come to Romans chapter 6, not coincidentally, 
where Paul talks, begins to talk about what living in the reality of the resurrected life looks like. And he talks about baptism. So let me just tell you right up front, we're going to give you an opportunity today to give a visible response to the invisible reality that is in you through baptism. And <coughs> what Paul does is he talks about um, what happens in the, vis- in the invisible reality of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Paul writes in Romans 6, verse 3, he says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore, <coughs> we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, and that's a very important phrase, in order that. Here's why. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. See, Jesus was raised from the dead so that through faith in him, we could live a new life. That's the the invisible reality of what happens in us through faith in Christ. And our visible response to that, Paul says, is baptism. See, baptism is the visible response, the appropriate visible response to the invisible reality. The the word baptism literally means uh, to be immersed. It it means to to be dunked, to be drenched, to be dipped. The Greeks would use the word when they when they were talking about dyeing a garment. They would take the cloth and they would baptize it, they would drench it, they would dunk it into the dye so that it would absorb the the color and the character of that which it was drenched by. That's what baptism means. And so when we are um, baptized with water, when we, we give this visible response to what Christ has done and what we have put our faith in, that's why we have this baptismal back here filled with water, so that when you go into the water, when you go under the water, you literally are, are identifying with Jesus' death. There's no life down there. And you identify with his death. And then when you come up out of the water on the other side, you you are stepping into the resurrected life. It's it's the visible response to what Jesus has done. Crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. Now, if you've never thought about the act of baptism, I know that every one of us here has longed for a life do-over at some point. Right? Have you ever just kind of looked at your life and wished that you had a life do-over? Not a day do-over or a week do-over or a month, but a life do-over. See, that's where reincarnation would be a really good thing because you could just keep trying and trying until you got it right. The problem is you don't get a life do-over except with Jesus, except with God. See, what Paul is telling us is that God did this in order that. 
Just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. What baptism is declaring is that God acted in human history so that you and I can have a new life. No matter what you've done, no matter how um, messed up you may feel, no matter how broken you are, I want you to know that no matter how lost you think you are, God did a work in Jesus Christ to mend you, to make you whole. And you can step into that new reality, that new life that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. When you step into that, you want to declare that. And the way that you declare that is through the visible response of baptism. Paul goes on to say, for if we have been united with him in death, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. What Paul is talking about is the invisible reality. When you enter into relationship with Jesus Christ, Jesus changes who you are. You see, Jesus didn't die on the cross to change your beliefs. He didn't die on the cross to change your dogmas. He died on the cross to change you and to change me. He He died to change us. And what Paul is telling us is the reason that baptism is so central is that there is something that has happened to us that we may not actually see. You see, because we have so much momentum of who we were, we may not actually begin to see who we are. What God has done in the cross is made it possible to reconnect us to who we were created to become. Have you ever wondered who you are? Have you ever struggled when you looked at the mirror and just thought, who am I? Anybody else? I don't know if this ever happened to you, but but I have often looked in the mirror and thought, who am I really? Because I find myself doing things and saying things that are so inconsistent with the person that I really want to be. I come and I look and I go, who am I? We all struggle with this. The Apostle Paul struggled with this. And in a couple of weeks in Romans chapter 7, we're going to hear Paul say the good stuff that I want to do. Yeah, I don't do that. But the bad stuff that I don't want to do, that's what I keep on doing. Who am I? That's really the question. Who am I? What's what's my real identity? The word identity means the condition of being oneself and not another. And we all think, well, duh, right? I mean, I am myself. I'm not somebody else. But I wonder how often we are actually living like somebody else. I wonder how often we have something on us that's the external response. And it's not reflecting who we really want to be. And the reason is because we don't really know who we are. Another definition of identity is the state or fact of remaining the same 
the state or fact of remaining the same one as under varying aspects or conditions. In other words, everywhere you are, in every circumstance and situation, with everyone, you are the same. You, um, you know who you are. Every single action, every single conversation, every single expression of you is who you are. Have you ever, have you ever said, I'm just not myself today? Well, then who are you? See, that's the question. Who am I? I don't know. Most of us have a tendency to take on various personas at various times, desperately trying to to be someone that others will accept. But when we do that, we disintegrate. We fragment. We fall apart. But God wants to make you one. He wants to make you whole. He wants to bring integrity to your life. And the only way to have integrity in your life is to have identity. Identity is the condition of being oneself and not another, remaining the same under varying conditions. But interestingly enough, the word identification has a similar etymology to identity, but it means something very different. Identity means the condition of being oneself, but identification is a means of labeling. A means of labeling. See, what happens is we take on on all of these different labels, these different personas, because at the end of the day, we don't really know who we are. We take on all of these identifications because we don't have a rooted identity. We are fragmented. We are broken. So I started thinking, when did we lose our identity? When did we... Stop knowing who we are. Well, you can trace it all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Remember the, the conversation that the serpent had with, with Adam and Eve in the garden? The serpent came to the woman and said, Did God really tell you that um, you couldn't eat from any of the trees in the garden? And Eve responded, Of course he didn't say that. What what God said was, you can eat from any tree except the one in the middle of the garden. But what he did say is, if you eat from the one in the middle of the garden, you will surely die. And in fact, don't even touch it. And the serpent said to Eve, "Um, you will not surely die. The reason God told you not to eat of it is because he knows that if you eat of it, you will become like God. Do you see what the serpent was doing? The serpent was planting doubt in their mind that somehow in and of themselves they were insufficient, that there was more that they needed. And so they needed to put on this other thing. They needed to put on this, eat this other thing and do this other thing in order to be all that they could be. The serpent said, if you eat of this, you will become like God. But the truth is they already were. 
Genesis chapter 1 says that they were created in the image and the likeness of God. See, all they needed to do was look into the eyes of their creator, and that's where they would find their identity. But instead, they looked into the eyes of something else, and they lost their identity. They lost their way. And ever since that time, we have been searching for ourselves. So what are the labels that have been put on you like Tom Brady? Or that you have put on yourself like Tony Romo? That at the end of the day are not really you. You will never find your true identity in anything that someone else puts on you or you try to put on yourself. The reason Jesus came and died and rose from the dead is because God wants to tear down those false identities so that he can build up who you were created to be. Paul wrote to the Colossians. This is from Colossians 3. You have left your old sinful life and the things you did before. In your new life, you are being made new. You are becoming like the one who made you. This new life brings you the true knowledge of God. In the new life, there is no difference between Greeks and Jews. No difference between those who are circumcised and those who are not circumcised or people that are foreigners or Scythians. There is no difference between slaves and free people. But Christ is in all believers. And Christ is all that is important. See, God wants to bring everything together because he is the one who holds everything together. We have a broken relationship with God. You say, Keith, well, how do you know that we have a broken relationship with God? Because there is, an, there is a visible response to that invisible reality. The invisible reality is we have a broken relationship with God. The visible response to that is just look at the relationships we have with each other. There is envy. There is greed. There is hatred. There is violence. There's racism and sexism and classism. There's all of this brokenness between us. If you want to know what's wrong with the human condition, what's wrong with the human condition is our relationship with God is broken. And this is the visible response of that invisible reality. What Jesus tells us is that he came to make us one, one with God and one with each other. And what Paul is telling us is that we need to stop defining ourselves by labels. And we need to start defining ourselves in him. He says, here in Christ, there is no Gentile or Jew. It's a false label. He says, there's no circumcised or uncircumcised. It's a false label. He says, there's no Scythian or barbarian or slave or free. He says, all of those are labels that you put on when you are broken. And you've lost your identity. And every time we take, take on a label, we put up a wall. So we call ourselves 
black or white, gay or straight, male or female, Yankee or Met, cowboy or patriot. We take on all these labels. And then there are labels that we we take on because we think that they will make us matter. We take on the labels of, of, you know, fame and, and success and power and wealth and beauty and pleasure. But all of those labels that we take on or that other people put on us will in the end leave us empty. The old self that Paul talks about is weighed down with all the labels that we are not, but the new self is raised up in the knowledge of the image of our creator. Sure, we've got things that we enjoy and things that matter to us, but none of those things can become the source of our identity. What God is saying to us is that we've, if, is that we've lost our identity and we've been spending our life trying to find an identity that will ne- never tell us who we are. But God says, I've come to kill that old self that doesn't know who she is or who he is and give birth to a new self that knows who they are because they are created in the image of God. Friends, what Jesus came to do was restore our original intent that we might live our lives rooted in an identity that is given to us by our Creator. And that's what Paul is talking about in Romans 6. He says in verse 5, If we shared in Jesus' death by being baptized, we will be raised to life with Him. We know that the persons we used to be were nailed to the cross with Jesus. This was done so that our sinful bodies would no longer be the slaves of sin. As surely as we died with Christ, we will also live with him. You see, in baptism, we are giving visible response to the invisible reality that when we put our faith in Jesus, our old self, that that old self that was constantly searching for identity, constantly putting on, on labels, that old self is dead. And the new self is alive in Jesus. Jesus becomes the source of our identity. When you enter into a relationship with God, you no longer have to live your life wondering who you are or who loves you or whether or not you have value. Because when you find your identity in Jesus, you know exactly who you are. You are a loved child of God. You know that you have intrinsic value because you have been created by the creator of the universe. You don't have to question anymore when you find your identity in Jesus. In Acts chapter 8, there's a, there's a great scene with this disciple named Philip and, and an Ethiopian eunuch. The, the eunuch was leaving Jerusalem. He had been in Jerusalem worshiping, and he's, he's leaving the city in a chariot, and he's reading from a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he's reading it aloud, and as the Holy Spirit would have, he had Philip 
um, come up alongside of the chariot, chariot and he heard this eunuch reading Isaiah aloud. And so Philip called in and said, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, not so much. And so Philip says, would you like for me to explain it to you? And the eunuch says, please. So Philip jumps in and he starts telling him, uh, describing for him the gospel of Jesus Christ in relation to what the eunuch was reading in Isaiah. And he tells him that God has stepped into human history and, and because of our sin, we were separated from God. But God bridged that gap. God brought us back into relationship with him through his son Jesus who came to earth, who lived the perfect life that we could not live. He died a death that we needed to die unto the wrath of God. It was buried and then on the third day he was raised to life. He tells him the great news of Jesus Christ that God so loved the world that he gave his son. And you know what the eunuch does? After he hears this explanation of Isaiah and how it relates to this man who has lived and died and rose again, the eunuch says, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Verse 38, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. The eunuch doesn't say, you know what? I believe all of that stuff. So what do I need to do next? Is there a class I need to take? You know, do I need to get, you know, become a member of something? What do I need to do? No, he just says, look, if what you say is true, I want that. And I want to identify with that. I want to be baptized. And I love verse 38. It says, he gave orders to stop the chariot. Whoa, hold on. Here's water. We're not going anywhere. I want to be baptized. And Philip baptized him. The eunuch believed in the generosity of God. He believed in the goodness of God. He believed in the grace and mercy of God and believed that if Jesus would do this for him, then there was nothing that was going to keep him from identifying with this man who had died for him. All his life, this eunuch had had an identity that told him who he was not. But on this day, he walked away with an identity that told him who he was. See, baptism is a visible response to an invisible reality. Some of you have put your faith in Jesus, but you haven't really seen a change yet. And I would suggest that one of the reasons you haven't really seen a change may be that you have not given visible response to that change. Because there's something that happens when you give the appropriate visible response to the invisible reality. Something happens in you. Today, I invite you to step into these waters. This is not about religion. This is about life. It's about the new life that Jesus died to give you. 
It's about identifying with him in his death, as Paul says, in order that you can find your identity in his life. If you are tired of not knowing who you are, if you are tired of all the labels that have been put on you and that you have put on yourself, if you're tired of having an empty center because someone told you at some point along the line that you were something and you don't know who you are, I invite you to look into the eyes of God and see yourself in the way that he sees you. Don't look into the eyes of anybody else because they're going to tell you you need something else. But if you look into the eyes of God, he will say, I created you and I want you to become all I created you to be. If you could just see yourself through his eyes, you would never again have a question about who you are. You would know that you are a beloved child of the king. So this Easter Sunday, I invite you to make a visible response to an invisible reality. I invite you to let go of everything you are so that you can become everything that God created you to become. And in the words of the Ethiopian eunuch, look, here's some water. (laughs) So stop the chariot and let's do it today. Make the visible response to the invisible reality. Now, you may be thinking, well, I'm not sure I want to get baptized here because I'm not sure I want to be a member of this church. Well, we're not sure we want you to be a member of this church. (laughs) I'm just saying, okay? This is not about church membership. This is not about religion. It's about life. It's about relationship with God and stepping into that invisible reality. It's about putting the stake, a stake in the ground and saying, today, I'm going to identify with Jesus. I'm going to pray for us in a minute. And some of you have been a follower of Christ for a while. But maybe you've never taken this step of obedience. I'm going to say to you, don't, don't wait. Stop procrastinating. Do it today. What better day to do it than on Easter Sunday? Um, Do it today. But there are some of us here this morning that have never, we've never really stepped into that invisible reality that God offers us through Christ. And you can do that today. On the back of your bulletin, there is a... um, Baptism declaration. And, and when, you, when you get baptized, this is what you're declaring. I have committed my life to Jesus Christ. I know that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God who came to die on the cross for my sin. I believe that He rose from the grave to prove His authority over sin and death and to secure for me an eternal relationship with the God who loves me and created me. In baptism, that's what you're declaring. 
And so if I'm going to lead us in prayer in just a moment, and I'm going to invite you, if you've never stepped into that reality, I'm going to invite you to do that today. And then you can be baptized today. Brad, would you come down here? So in a moment, we're going to come to the communion table. And for those of you who are visiting Trinity, we do this every week because every week we want to celebrate what God did to to bridge the gap so that we could be in relationship with him where Jesus' body was broken and we celebrate that with the bread and his blood was shed and we celebrate that with the cup. And so we do this every week. And there's two stations down front. There's two in the back. There's no order to this. You don't have assigned tables. You just go... um, when you're ready, where you want to go, we celebrate it in small groups of three, four, five around the table so that we can celebrate our common union in Christ. So as we come to the table, the praise team's going to be up here leading us in song, and you can sit and you can sing and you can pray and you can come to the table when you're ready. And while all that's going on, if you want to be baptized, you can find Brad. And Brad will be in this corner, and he'll give you directions. We ha- and I know you didn't bring baptism clothes today. We have them for you. We, we've got shorts and T-shirts back here in, in every size imaginable, and, and, and we have that available for you so that you can change. And we've got changing rooms downstairs, and we've got towels, and so you can walk out of here looking like you walked in, um, but being very different. Um, because you've identified with Jesus. And here's the last thing I'm going to say. When you come into the water, I'm going to ask you one, well, I'm going to ask you three questions. The first question I ask is, first question I ask is, who are you? And your response is, my name is Keith Boyd, and my identity is in Jesus. My name is fill in the blank, and my identity is in Jesus. That's all you have to say. And then I'm going to say, do you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sin? And you say, yes. And do you know that Jesus rose from the dead so that you could have life with him forever? And you say, yes. And then I'm going to dunk you. (laughs) And and if I know you and you've been really bad, I'm going to hold you down for a while. Until the bubbles start coming up. No, I won't do that. Um, but when you come out, when you go into the water, you, experience, you are baptized into Jesus' death. And when you come out, you are baptized into his resurrected life. It is glorious. And so I invite you to do that today. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord Jesus, I am so thankful. I just, I love today. I love that we celebrate the new life, the the reality that you are risen. Lord, I, I pray that those of us who have been your followers for a while would identify again with your death and your resurrection and that that we wouldn't take on any labels that people would put on us, but we would always find our identity in you. And Lord, for those here today who have never 
stepped across that line, they've never put a stake in the ground and said, I want to identify with Jesus, then Lord, I pray that today they would make that choice. And if that's you, if, if you want to put your faith in Jesus today, I'm going to say a prayer. These words are not magic. They are just a, a reflection of your heart. But you can pray this with me. God, today on this Easter Sunday, I want to humble myself. I confess my sin, how I've looked for identity and all the wrong things. And today, God, I ask for your forgiveness and for your grace through Jesus who died to show his love for me, to bring me into relationship with you. And I commit my life from this day forward to this risen Jesus as my leader and my forgiver and my friend. Lord God, I thank you that you are still in the business of changing lives, reclaiming us and redeeming us. And so we pray all of this in the powerful, powerful name of Jesus. Amen.